Welcome to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. This week's message from Lead Pastor Neil Krauss is from the series, Gifted. For more information about Forward, Giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com. Grab your Bibles and turn it into 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I know some of you maybe have anxiously looked forward to this day. Some of you have maybe been excited to, to hear how we're going to talk about this topic that we've come to in 1 Corinthians 14. Today's topic can be confusing. It can be one that, that kind of makes us um, wonder, you know, what, what is God doing with it? But when we study it, I think like many things, there, there may be some mystery to it still, but it is possible for us to gain understanding so that this topic no longer freaks us out. So let's just get it out there. The topic today is speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. It's one of those gifts that's kind of weird, right? It maybe kind of freaks us out a little bit. It makes us uncomfortable when we hear about that topic because we don't really hear it taught on much. And, you know, I don't have this gift. I don't have the gift of speaking in tongues, so I can't fully understand it, but I do know what the Bible has to say about it. And I do know Christians who have this gift. So this is a gift that God has given. It's clearly mentioned in the Bible. Therefore, we need to begin to look at it and understand what the Bible has to say. And first of all, when we read this phrase, speaking in tongues in the Bible, the original word used for tongues is glossa. And that word can be interpreted as tongues. And it can also, in a more familiar to, to our language, would be languages. So speaking in languages. So a very basic biblical definition of speaking in tongues would be this, to speak in spirit-inspired languages. So that makes it a little bit easier for us to begin to understand. And as we study today, we're going we're gonna to learn more about it. We're going to learn what that means, to speak in spirit-inspired languages. Well, it basically can look two different ways. In the Bible, we see two different forms of speaking in tongues. And a very wise way to live as a Christian is to follow this philosophy, where the Bible speaks we will speak. Where the Bible is silent, we will be silent. Because you see, there is a ton of thought out there on speaking in tongues. And I just want to be clear as I teach today that my belief comes from what Scripture tells us. There are some things that, that we just don't know, some mystery there. You know, I'm not going to be teaching on what books say or what different denominations believe because a lot, there's a lot of differences out there in what denominations believe on speaking in tongues. But I'm going to look at what the Bible says and we're going to let God do the talking. And it is interesting to note that the Bible doesn't really talk a whole lot about speaking in tongues. There's not a whole lot of scripture, not a whole lot of the Bible devoted to this topic, so we have to look at what does say. And most of the information we have on the gift of tongues is found in our text today that we're going to read, found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So would you please stand with me? We're going to read from God's holy word, starting in verse 6 of chapter 14. It's where we left off last week. Paul's continuing to address the church, and he says this, now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if, you, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. 
So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. All right, you can be seated. Kind of a long passage, but it's a very important one for us to begin to understand and, and learn about tongues. And the Bible basically tells us there are two types of tongues. The first type is when people from different languages can understand the one speaking. So if you gather a bunch of people in a room that speak different languages, and, and when God gives this gift of tongues, then everyone in that room can then understand the one person who is speaking. And that's what we see in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, when we see this happen. In Acts chapter 2, the apostles are speaking in tongues. In tongues, they're speaking in the languages of the nations that are present at Pentecost at Jerusalem. So if you look in the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. So this is the Holy Spirit coming and resting upon them as they're there meeting at Pentecost. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, or that word there can be languages. They began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered. So everybody came together, all these different languages, all these different nations, people that spoke in many different languages, they came together, and it says, each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? So we see this miracle of God as he desires to have the gospel presented to all these people from all different nations, and he allows them all to understand in one language. That is one form of the gift of tongues. And if you keep reading in Acts, you find out that thousands of people believed in Jesus Christ and were saved. So you see, God's purpose of this gift of tongues is that everyone would be able to understand the gospel of Jesus and be saved. So he uses this miraculously to build up his church, to encourage his church, to grow his church. You see, sometimes God allows people to understand other languages supernaturally. 
Now, missionaries, if you've ever spoken to missionaries, you hear stories of this happening on a regular basis when there is a language barrier. Missionaries will explain about how they just couldn't figure out the language, couldn't break through. They were trying to share the gospel, and then somehow God just supernaturally allowed them all to understand each other. And I can tell you because this happened to me on a mission trip to Mexico. Several years ago, I went to Juarez, Mexico, and we went in for a week to build houses for people that were in need. So there were people that just had a lot of need, and we went in, and we just started building houses for them. And we spent a week building a house for this family, and throughout the week, I was somewhat frustrated because the whole time I was trying to interact with this family. I was trying to have conversation with them. I wanted them to know that we're not just building a house for you, that we're here because God loves you, and I wanted to share the gospel with these people. I didn't want to just build a house so every time that I wasn't up on the roof or putting up walls, I was trying to have conversation with this family, and it was so frustrating to me because of the language barrier. I was thinking, what are they understanding? Can they even know what I'm trying to say to them? Because you see, I took three years of Spanish in high school, and what I'm left with is basically I can count to 15. Anybody else with me? That's pretty much all I got. And that doesn't help you when you're trying to share the gospel with someone of another language. So I'm having that frustration, and on the very last day of the trip, we decided as we depart, that before we depart, we're going to give them a housewarming gift because, you know, they, they've been blessed with this home. They, they were moving in. So we took them across that they could hang on their door, and we wanted to use that again to share with them why we were there. So we went, and we gave them the cross, and we presented it to them. And, and the whole time, I was just praying for this family, and I was praying over them. It was the mom and the kids. The dad was always working, but the mom and the kids were there. And I was like, God, please let them understand why we're here. Please help them understand that we're not just building them a house, but that we are sharing the gospel with them. We are loving them because God loves them just like he loves us. And I shared briefly through the translator that we served them that week simply because God loves us all, and we wanted to help meet their need in their time of need. And as the translator shared that with the mom, the mom turned, and she looked right at me. And the only way that I can explain it is like this. I saw her begin to speak to me in her language, and her mouth was moving, but different words from another voice began to ring in my ears. And I could hear as plain as can be her saying, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. You bless my family. Today, we are separated by different tongues, but one day we will join together as one family with one tongue and one God. And all I could do was just look at her and, and nod in agreement. I was left speechless because I just heard this woman. God gave me this gift of supernaturally understanding her language in my own language, and I just smiled at her, and I, I nodded, and as we left, I wish I could tell you that from that point on I could speak fluent Spanish, but I still just got 15. That's really all I can do still. God didn't give me that language forever. He just allowed me in that moment to be encouraged and to be built up because of what we had done as we served this family and to see that it had made an eternal impact on this family. And he used that to build up his church. And that's what we see in the Bible many times is that, you know, right here in Acts especially, it's God allowing people of different nationalities, different languages to understand each other in one language. But there's also a second kind of tongues that we find in the Bible, and it's the one that freaks us out a little bit. It's the one that kind of makes us uncomfortable, makes us feel, feel a little weird. Some of you are probably kind of nervous right now thinking, what's he going to say? How's he going to approach this? Well, when we hear someone praying in tongues, if you've ever heard that, you might feel a little uncomfortable because you don't understand it. It can be confusing. It's called a prayer language. We actually saw it in our text here today. We, we see it in verses 13 through 19 where he speaks of praying with my spirit. And what this is, is we see in other parts of the Bible. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, likewise, 
the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You see, sometimes, sometimes God gives a special gift to people, and I find a lot of times it's especially people who are just prayer warriors, people who stand in the gap on the behalf of others and pray fervently and spend a lot of time on their face in prayer and cry out to God and groaning to the point that they don't have words anymore. And all of a sudden, in an intense time of prayer, they develop this prayer tongue that God blesses them with where they come to the end of themselves, they come to the end of their words, and the Spirit just takes over. And the Spirit begins to intercede on their behalf with groanings too deep for words. And people have described this to me and how it kind of takes them by surprise the first time. And they're, they're thinking, wow, what's, what just happened here? But the Spirit gives them words and the Spirit comforts them as, as they begin this intimate relationship with God in this prayer time of speaking in tongues, speaking in a spiritual language, in a prayer language. So it's this interaction time with God, with God interceding, the Holy Spirit interceding between us and God Almighty. Now, it's not some thing that's like an outburst that's uncontrollable and I think that's what kind of freaks us out sometimes is we've seen maybe experience that where it's just like this loud crazy outburst of a, of a church and things are happening everywhere and it's confusing I think that's one of those examples like we talked about this whole series that we can take a gift God's given us and we can misuse it where it becomes confusing and that's why Paul's addressing it here the church in Corinth had had just kind of basically gone crazy with the gifts and they were getting so focused on the gifts, they were not focused on the giver, and they were becoming confusing to unbelievers and to others around them. So we see biblically that it is something that is not uncontrollable. But what we see in the Bible is that it can be self-controlled. And next week, we'll look at some verses where Paul talks about doing things in order, and especially when it comes to speaking in tongues. He, he says that you should be able to control that. If there's no interpreter, then you remain silent, he says. So he's saying, you know, if, if people aren't going to understand what's being said, then it's better off to just remain silent, and you keep that between you and the Lord. So this indicates an ability to control speaking in tongues. It's not this uncontrollable outburst of things. Now think of the faith that it requires for the one who's been given this gift. Someone of incredible faith who, who can allow the Spirit to, to take over, who can let go and say, okay, God, I'm going to allow you to do this when they're praying, but also to have control when it's needed and to know that, all right, God, this is between me and you in our, in, in our intimate time of prayer. So look at verses 14 through 16. It says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful because we don't really understand it. He says, what am I to do? Well, I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my mind. So he's going to pray in tongues, and he's also going to pray with his mind. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I'll sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? So Paul's continuing to say, we don't want this to become a confusion to other people. So he says, you know, when I pray, I'm going to pray in the spirit, but I'm also going to pray um, with my mind. Um, because I don't really understand what's going on sometimes when, when it's just my spirit. Now, it's an intimate time. It's an intimate time between him and God. And in this case, the person who's speaking in tongues doesn't understand it, and the person who's not speaking in tongues doesn't understand it. But that person that's praying is still being built up in their faith. Now, we have to understand not everyone is going to have a personal private prayer language, but there are people who will get it. It's just like all the gifts we've been talking about, that some will receive it, some will not. But it's something that brings this incredible intimacy with God. 
So that's really all we know from the text. But it's important to acknowledge because it's in the Bible and it's a gift from, uh, for some Christians. And not all Christians get it, but some Christians do. You see, some out there will teach that if you're truly spiritual, if you're really close to the Lord, if you are really godly, then you're going to be able to speak in tongues. I would say that that's simply not true. My argument would be that's not supported by the Bible. The Bible says that the Spirit gives to some as he chooses. And some, some he gives one gift, some he gives another gift. So we can't say that if you're truly spiritual, then you've got to be able to speak in tongues because that's not biblically supported. Just like all the gifts, speaking in tongues is to be desired but it's not required. I think we've got to remember that. Every gift is to be desired, but not every gift is required. God will give some, some gifts, give others, other gifts. For the last three chapters, Paul has been making a very clear case that the gifts are given to each one individually as the Spirit wills. And as we talked about this whole series, they are from the Spirit for the church to God's glory. Every gift from the Spirit for the church to God's glory. And they are for building up of the body. So he says, make sure that your gift never divides, never confuses, never tears down the body. And the gift of speaking in tongues is unique because it is primarily for building up the individual. So we see all these other gifts that are for building up the body, that are for um, encouraging and building up and edifying and consoling the body. And then this one, the gift of tongues, is really more for the individual with their relationship with God. So what happens, though, is we find that as this is more primarily for building up the individual, when it builds up the individual, it in turn then will build up the body. Because if an individual Christian is encouraged in their intimacy with the Lord and has a prayer tongue, is spending time before the Lord, then they will become an encouragement to the body because you are closer in your relationship and you are developing that, that, that spiritual time with him. So if the individual Christian is encouraged in their intimacy with the Lord, then they're going to be an encouragement to the body. So it's this strange tension that we're trying to walk today where Paul is painting a picture of speaking in tongues being great for him. He's saying, hey, for me, it is awesome. It is great. It is wonderful. And I love it. You should desire it. But he says it's not necessarily beneficial in the church gathering. Verses 18 through 19, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church... I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul says, I am so thankful for the gift of tongues. Paul says, I love having the gift of tongues. It's an intimate time with me and the Lord, and I speak in tongues more than anybody. So Paul's saying, out of anybody out there, I'm going to boast that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But what I would rather, much rather, speak five simple words that you understand and that build you up. And that encourage the church when I'm among the church than to speak 10,000 words in a spiritual language that no one can understand. So he's making this beautiful statement on this gift. He's not slamming this gift. He's saying it's a beautiful thing to have. It is wonderful to be gifted with this. And if God gives it to you, you love it. You embrace it. But he's saying well, when you're with the church, you make sure you don't become confusing to, to others around you. The Bible saying be blessed with this gift. Be intimate with the Lord through your prayer time. But when you're with the church, bless people with words that they will understand. Bless people with words that will encourage them and build them up. And that's the good about this gift of speaking in tongues. It's incredibly rich, and it's encouraging um, us in our individual walk with the Lord. Like I said, I don't have this gift, but I would love to have it. I desire it, just like he says, to desire it. But the, the text here, while it talks about here's the good of it, it also gives warnings about the gift. So he's given us warnings on it. So we need to look at what the warnings are with this gift of speaking in tongues. 
he says that tongues, specifically used in worship gathering, are like an instrument that doesn't sound any distinct notes. He said, if you're just speaking in tongues and people can't understand you and they don't know what's going on, then it's just like an instrument that, that doesn't have any distinct notes. And he uses this illustration of a bugle. And what they would use in that time is a bugle to sound when it was time to go off to the war. Or they would have a certain sound that they would play when it's time to retreat. If they didn't make any distinct sound, then they wouldn't know what they're supposed to do. It would be kind of like giving me a bugle. I have no musical talent. If I were to blow into a bugle, you would just be like, what is that? That doesn't sound like anything. We don't know what you're doing there. And that's what he's saying happens uh, when, we, when we bring tongues into the church gathering environment. So he says it would just become noise because people wouldn't understand what it is. Paul says speaking in tongues is beautiful, but speaking in tongues during a worship gathering would be like speaking into the air, just throwing words out there that have no meaning. And Paul is saying tongues used in a worship gathering make people feel like foreigners because nobody will, will know what's going on. And I kind of connect with that because it's like a worship service that I attended in Haiti. On another mission trip that I was on, I got to go to Haiti, and I got the blessing of going to this church. It was about 800 people in, in, in a hut, basically, in Haiti. We were all just crammed in there. And I trusted that the people that took me in there were taking me into a Christian church. But as I went in, it was a beautiful service. It was wonderful. The people were worshipful, but they were worshiping in Creole. The pastor got up and he preached a sermon. He was passionate as he preached, but he preached in Creole. When they prayed, they prayed in the Creole language. Now, it's a beautiful language. It's really cool to hear. But the service was beautiful. The people were passionate. They seemed sincere. They worshiped with their hands raised, and they prayed fervently. But I couldn't be sure if they were worshiping Jesus or some false god. I was just a bystander. I was a foreigner because I couldn't understand anything about what they said. What the pastor was saying and the lyrics to the worship, they meant nothing to me because I did not understand their language. Paul's point is this. What good is it? What good is it if nobody understands what you're saying? So there are all these warnings about how tongues can confuse and divide and can even cause judgment because non-believers, he says, according to verse 23, might come in and say that we're out of our minds. You know, if, if non-believers visited the church and, and all they heard was a bunch of, of speaking in tongues and, and it was confusing and they couldn't understand what people were saying, then he, he says, you, you might as well be a foreigner and, and they're going to think that we're crazy. So he's saying, but you embrace that gift. It's a beautiful gift for the believer, but be careful that it, is not, it does not become a distraction or cause confusion for others. Now, tucked away in the middle of this passage is a very important verse to live out our giftedness from. This series, I think it really, this speaks to it. Verse 12 is a beautiful verse that speaks to the whole series. And we're going to read it through the lens that we viewed this whole series through. That the lens of being gifted by the Spirit for the church to God's glory. Verse 12 says, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Now, I think that within Forward Church, it's safe to say that we are eager for manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We desire for God to show up every single weekend and for his Holy Spirit to surprise us with his power and his presence. We pray every single week for God to show up in ways that simply leave us astonished and proclaiming, look at what God did today. That's our heart. That's our desire. We pray for salvations every week. We pray for healings. We pray for addictions to be broken. We pray for marriages to be restored. We pray for anxieties to be overcome. We pray for broken lives to be made whole, for God to do amazing things in here. And Paul says here in verse 12 to the church in Corinth, who was witnessing a lot of supernatural things. They were witnessing the full-on 
um, power of the gifts, they, speaking in tongues, healings. They were seeing all kinds of amazing things happen. Like, like I said, they were becoming so focused on the gifts, they were, they were losing um, their focus of the giver of the gifts. So he's saying, if you desire, if you're eager for these manifestations of the Spirit, if you're eager, eager to see healings and you're eager to see, see all this amazing stuff happening from God, if you desire that, he says, here's what you do. You do this one thing, and God will amaze you by the manifestation of his spirit, by the supernatural among you. God will begin to show you supernatural things like you never dreamed could happen. And he tells us in verse 12 what it is. Are you eager to see it? He says, strive to excel in building up the church. Really? Could it be that easy? Is it really that simple for us to see manifestations of the Spirit among us? Is it really that simple to see healings and miracles and God doing crazy, amazing things, to see the manifestation of a Spirit among us, to see many of us getting the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues and having a prayer language? Is it, is it possible that it's that simple? We strive to excel in building up the church. We make it so difficult. We think there's all these other things that we need to be doing. He says, you want to see God work in amazing ways and do incredible things and grow the church like he wants to grow the church? You strive to excel in building up the church. That, that's it. Not just build up the church. He says, you excel in it. You encourage others. And it sounds so simple, yet why is it so difficult? Why is it so difficult for us to strive in excelling to build up the church? I think it's difficult because we come here wanting ourselves to be built up. We show up to church thinking, how can the church excel in helping me? I've been guilty of it. We come and we show up and we think, what does this church have for me? How's this church going to excel in making my life better? What's this church got for me? Listen, if we were driven by God's love for each other, then when we gather for worship, instead of wondering, how is this going to meet my needs? How is this going to build me up? And if I'm looking around and wondering who I can encourage instead, if I show up to church thinking, who can I build up today? If I show up to church thinking, how can I excel in building this place? How can I excel in building the people around me? How can I excel in helping others know Jesus? then you see, we should be a group of Christians that when we see someone at church that's hurting and suffering, that it breaks our heart, that we mourn for those who mourn, that we hurt for those who hurt, that we cry with those who cry, and, and we encourage and we build up and we console others with our words, just like we saw last week. So we have to look at this and say, what does it look like to, to strive to excel in the building up of the church? Well, here's the first thing. I think it makes the church less about you and more about God. If, if it makes the church less about you and more about God, then, then out of that, the church becomes less about me and more about we. What if we showed up every single weekend to church thinking less about me and what I'm going to get and more about we and what can I do to build this place up? What can I do to help each other? What can I do to help that hurting brother or sister that I know is struggling? See, listen, church has become so much about me because of that's just our culture. We're all guilty of it. I think I'm speaking for all of us here. We've all been there where we said, you know, is the worship music at this church for me? Does the coffee taste good enough for me? Is there a parking spot right up front for me where I can be comfortable? Is the children's ministry suitable for me and my kids? Do the, do the people at the church notice me? Have people come out and greeted me and helped me and served me? Will people approach me? Will they build me up? Will they build into me? And listen, listen, there needs to be an element of that. 
okay? Because that's part of what church is. We need to have a place where we belong. We need to have a place where we feel comfortable and safe, and we know that our kids are being taught well and, and led well, and we know that they're safe. All those things are important, and we all live in seasons where we just need to be fed and encouraged, and, and it needs to be about that for a moment. But listen, if that's where you stay, if that's where you live your whole spiritual life, you're missing out on so much that God has for you. We can't stay in that place of what is it for me. We have to move to that place of now how can I excel in building this place up? See, the Bible is saying it's the wrong way to approach the body when we approach the body from ourself. You are to approach the body of Christ asking yourself, how can I build this place up? How can I encourage others around me? And the interesting thing is this. When you approach church in that way, when you begin to approach church and how can I build this place up? How can I be an encouragement? How can I help others? How can I serve others? How can I be a part of this body and what God's doing? Then you find that you get fed. You find that you get nourished. You find that you get encouraged. You find that you get built up. You find that you get consoled when you're hurting because you are engaged in the body of Christ. It's funny how that works. When we stop looking to ourselves and our own needs and our own desires, our own needs and our own desires get met. Because that's how it looks when we look outside of ourselves and when we look at the church as God desires for us to look at the church. Listen, listen to this. If every single one of us stepped into our gifts that God has given to us and we strive to use those gifts to build up this church, I think we will be overwhelmed by the presence of God in this place. We will be overwhelmed by the manifestation of his Holy Spirit and what he begins to do about how he begins to work among his church. And I also believe that the world would be overwhelmed and would take notice because the world would see a church that really believes and lives what we say we believe because we would truly be acting like God's church. Because verse 25, as it's talking about an unbeliever that comes in and witnesses the church being the church, says the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. You see, when you and I live out the gifts that God has given to us for the purpose of building up his church, then God is honored. And when God is honored, God builds his church. When we love unselfishly, when we pour out and say, how can I excel in building up his church? Then he has an incredible way of disclosing the secrets of our hearts. He has an incredible way of, of encouraging us and building us up as we build each other up. And he has an amazing way of building his church because he will disclose the secrets of our hearts, he says. And maybe, just maybe, God's done that for you today. Maybe you came in here today not expecting it, but God just exposed something in your heart. And maybe just like this verse, you need to fall on your face before God and worship God and say, God is really among us. Because you see, God is among us. He's here, and he's waiting on us. He's waiting on us to strive to be excellent, to excel at building up his church. And all we need to do is we need to have repentant hearts and fall before him and say, God, you're really in this place. I thank you for the way that you're building me up and I want to build up others. Maybe you just need to come before God today and you just need to bow at the altar and you need to say, God, I'm thankful that you exposed something in my heart today. Something I can repent of so that I can be a clean vessel to follow you. Maybe you need to follow Jesus for the first time. Maybe you've decided today that today's the day you need to follow Jesus and, and surrender your life to him and allow him to bring you salvation. It's a free gift he offers to you. Once he gives you that gift of salvation, he has other gifts to give you. Gifts we've been talking about over the last several weeks. 
wants to bless you with those so you can be a blessing to his church. You see, I pray that as we pray in just a minute and as we worship God, that, that you would recognize that God is really among us. And some of us need to just fall on our face before him. I want to tell you, you can do that now as we close and as we worship our God. Father, you are a good, good God. You're gracious, you're awesome, and you're mighty. And Father, it's amazing how when we just look at your word, that you can expose things in our hearts. And God, when you expose things in our hearts, we know that we're to repent of those things and to just fall on our face before you and proclaim that you are in this place. Father, as we look at these different gifts that you love to give to your church, we see that they're all by your spirit, for your church, to your glory. God, we look today at a difficult gift like tongues, which can confuse us and, and can kind of freak some of us out, Lord. We see that it's really not that mysterious. We see it's a beautiful gift that, that you give to sometimes allow others to hear your gospel. It's also a gift that you give to believers for intimacy with you. May that never be a confusion or a distraction among your church, Lord, but may it be a beautiful thing that draws us nearer to you, into your presence. Father, some of us in this place today, our hearts have been opened up. You've exposed something that, that we didn't even maybe know was there. May we repent of that today as we fall on our faces before you. And we say, God is surely in this place. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the name of Jesus that covers over all our sin. Thank you that by faith in Jesus, we can be forgiven. We can spend eternity with you. So God, we give our hearts to you now as we bow before you, as we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with us. You've been listening to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as Lead Pastor Neil Krauss continues in the series, Gifted. For more information about forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com.